0: Master Bruce, are you all right, sir? I'm tired, Alfred. Well, I shouldn't wonder. You've taken no meals today, and I can't recall when you last slept. A weary body can be dealt with, but a weary spirit, that's something else. Sometimes, old friend, I wonder if I'm really doing any good out there. How can you doubt it? The lives you've saved, the criminals you've brought to justice? I've put out a few fires, yes. Won a few battles. But the war goes on, Alfred. On and on.
1: Edition of TBU Collected, and this week I am joined by...
0: Hmm, this is Donovan.
2: This is Mary Kay Elizabeth Bath. This is Stella.
1: And today we are going to be doing Batman Ego, um, which was written and illustrated by Dwayne Clark. Batman Ego was originally published
0: by... Wait, who? By Did I say Dwayne? Dwayne Cook. Oh, Darwin Cook? Cook.
1: Darwin, Darwin <laughs> Cook? <laughs> I, I know, here's the first part. Dwayne I, Clark. I am literally holding the hardback in my hand while I'm doing this.
0: In fairness, it is in cursive, so like, is, your miles may vary in terms of reading it, but...
1: Oh, this is a rough, a hey. <laughs> Exactly. Well,
0: leave it in. Don't, don't, don't cut that out. You better cut that out. Um,
1: anyway. Right. Uh, we're going to be reviewing today, Batman Ego by Darwin Cook. Um, which was originally published as a one-shot in August of 2000, and has since then been kind of collected with some of his other work, uh, most notably his work on Catwoman, um, into a uh, title called Batman Ego and Other Tales, which you can get from pretty much any comic retailer uh, and online, like Amazon. But this story was actually the suggestion of Donovan, who's with us today, as this is a story that holds a particular place in his heart. So he will be leading the. Uh, conversation today, so now I'm going to hand it over to Donovan.
0: There
2: you Everyone's actually shocked right now that you even have a heart, so let's see how this goes.
0: <laughs> well, um... Well, boy, <laughs> shut <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. Lousy female. Um, before I start, I'd like to talk about, you know, my first... Uh, me getting into this story because I was laid up in bed, I was sick and um I didn't have a lot of things to do and my mom, you know, went by the library and got some um got some uh comics for me. So uh in the midst of my snowboarding session and my oh. marathon session and uh, my mo- Tough motor session, I have to read this. And this just sang my heart, and I loved it ever since. And then I started my own podcast called Back Girl to Oracle of Batman Ego. Okay, never mind. Um, I will what get kind in-
2: of weird origin story is this?
0: <laughs> it's, it's a new 52
1: or story, apparently.
2: Where everyone is combined.
0: So. Where everyone is still. Um, I will start off with the synopsis that you guys will clearly hear in real time, and then we will get into the discussions. Batman in... Ego, a psychotic slide into the heart of darkness. Written and illustrated by Darwin Cook, lettered by Jonathan Babcock. One night after apprehending the Joker following a 27-hour manhunt, the Batman tracks down Buster Snibs, the Joker's henchman who gave up his locations the night before, in an effort to recover $400,000 in charity money that was stolen during the Joker's crime spree. While waiting, injured and freezing, Batman begins to ponder the life he's chosen and if his mission to rig Gotham City of crime is an exercise in futility. Once Buster arrives at the bridge where Batman is expecting him, he climbs to the top and, without warning, hurls himself over the edge. Batman snags him with his bat rope, figuring Buster's suicide attempt for an escape from the Joker's wrath after selling him out. Buster pulls a gun on Batman and begins screaming. "Don't up, you freak! The Joker's been put away, Buster. You're safe now. Safe! Ha <laughs> You idiot! Who do you think you're dealing with? How many times has he been caught? You morons always let him escape. Chuckie Saul gave me the word! The Joker knows I ratted him out! He wanted me to know that when he gets out, he'll be looking for me and my family to show his appreciation. Self-righteous nut! You used me in your little game of cops and robbers, but the Joker will never get his hands on any of my family! I couldn't bear the thought of my wife and daughter at the hands of that maniac, so I killed them myself! See you in hell, you masked lunatic! BUSTER NO! BUSTER shoots himself in the head, leaving Batman in a state of complete anguish. Speeding in the Batmobile back to Wayne Manor, Batman contemplates all the psychiatric reasons that explain why he may be driven to do what he's done in Gotham, before confessing the night's events to a projected image of his late parents in the Batcave. Bruce reaches the decision that he cannot carry on as Batman and resigns to give up his crusade and begin living a normal life. YOU FOOL! YOU THINK you know PAIN, YOU COWARD?! I WILL SHOW YOU PAIN. Suddenly, a monstrous bat silhouette appears on the screen of the bat computer. The creature berates Wayne for his feelings of sentimentality, and although Bruce switches off the monitor, the bat creature reappears in front of his eyes. The creature claims to be the very heart of him, and in a Ghost of Christmas past fashion, flashes him back to the last Christmas he spent with his parents. The creature tells about how much the Wayne family all loved one another before showing a scene where Dr. Wayne brought Bruce along on a house call in order to help one of his dying patients. Young Bruce witnesses the man pass away and asks his father if he and his mother will die as well. Dr. Wayne promises that that won't be for a long time. The creature reveals that in that night, young Bruce could feel him, and when his parents were murdered, he exploded within his young heart. He says that he is Bruce's inner fear and that the two came together when Bruce became Batman. We were magnificent then. We descended on the city like an unholy instrument of vengeance, relentless as a shark, blacker than their dark hearts. The creature goes on about how efficient Batman was in his early days, before his vanity and need for companionship and approval allowed the assistance of both Commissioner Gordon and the GCPD, and Robin the Boy Wonder. He then talks about how the criminal street element that Batman had eliminated was replaced with super criminals before reaching the one man responsible for the most deaths in Gotham City. The creature tells Bruce that they must kill the Joker. Bruce flatly refuses, saying he won't have blood on his hands, and the creature accuses him of hypocrisy, claiming that the incident at Axis Chemicals puts the creation of the Joker on his shoulders. Bruce argues that people live in harm's way indiscriminately and that everyone chooses how to respond to tragedy in their own way, including the Joker. The creature chastises Bruce's rebuking of his suggestions in order to live a normal life. Bruce realizes that he made a promise and asks the creature how he can carry on. The creature brings up Harvey Dent slash Two-Face, and uses his origin to suggest that he and Bruce split their two personas whenever the situation calls for it. As Bruce Wayne, you'll be free to chase women. Build hospitals, kiss babies, whatever you desire. But when the Batman is needed, you will step aside and leave me free to deal with the devil in kind. What are you talking about? Self-induced psychosis? Voluntarily splitting our personalities? I'm talking about the freedom to act, to fulfill our individual destinies. You are truly ruthless, I should know. It was my force of will that molded you in this image. But I channeled your fury towards a purpose. I tempered your wrath. Left unchecked, your vengeance would be... monstrous. The answer is no. So the creature says, Fuck, fuck it! And gives Bruce the same gun that killed his parents and instructs him that if he cannot dismiss him, he must destroy him and free himself. After a moment's hesitation... Bruce disarms the gun and throws it away, saying to kill the creature inside him would be committing suicide. He curses his life and demands to know why he has to be sentenced to such a dismal future. The creature reminds him that they lost their chance for a normal life years ago and can only do everything in their power to ensure a safe future for others. Bruce agrees and stipulates that the one concession the creature must make is that they must never kill, as it separates himself from the enemy and furthers the symbol of Batman as the one of hope. The creature agrees and disappears, leaving behind a picture of Bruce with his parents. The Joker escapes custody and holds himself up in a nightclub with hostages. Outside, the GCPD wait on Batman and decide to move in before Gordon receives a call. It's Batman, reassuring him that he's on his way, and the final page reveals the picture of Bruce and his family placed near the steering wheel in the cockpit of the Batmobile as it races across the city. So um, after that synopsis that you guys just heard just now, um, I will start off with a few discussion questions, and hopefully we can kind of get a larger discussion going. Um, okay, Batman, ego, first and foremost, and this, this is actually kind of a really easy question generally, um, because Darwin Cook both wrote and illustrated this. What did you think of the art, and how well do you think the art, illustri- I say illustrated, but I mean illustrated in sort of a larger term, illustrate the story? It's a very simple question. You know, positive or negative comment. How, what was your opinions on the art and how it, how it, uh, and the storytelling techniques of it? And um, we'll start off with Stella. Uh,
2: you know, Darwin <laughs> Dwayne. Who even knows what his real name is? Mystery. Uh, <laughs> it is a mystery. He's he's just wonderful. Uh, I think the art really captured something special here. I'm going to be as vague as possible because I actually didn't read the story. No, I really did read the story. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> I know. It's because I really want people to believe me. Um, <sighs> it's a tough question. I wish I had these questions in advance of this podcast.
0: Well, I'm going to frame it a different way because you've read the New yeah. Ponditioner. Or not the New Petition, the New I franchise.
2: have, yeah.
0: And you've seen the movie, and you've seen Batman Beyond, which you've worked on. Right. So this this uh, art art style isn't exactly unfamiliar to you, although you may not be familiar with all everything he's done. Mm-hmm. But that having those to go on in terms of this one shot, a Batman, story, it's a straight up Batman story. How do you think it worked
2: oh, compared to other things that I've seen? I, I think it's certainly darker, in my opinion, than kind of the layout of New Frontier, uh, perhaps just because we are dealing with with Batman and just some of the way that he he weighs things out, especially when He's, the Bruce is just talking to the bat, and, and all these sort of horrifying images are, are surrounding him. Especially, I'm just thinking about, you know, I will show you madness, and then you see Bruce's face and, like, these teeth around him. Um, and I think the, the main thing is just really getting, like, pulling these two entities apart from each other. Um, and so in a way you see Bruce, and I think it's, it's really beautiful in how you see his family, and I think those are really clear cut images and everything. But then when you start to see all of the other aspects with Batman and people that he's encountering, and, and, you know, the creation of the Joker, things start to get a, a little muddier and, and darker just in the way everything's presented. Um, but I guess I don't, I mean, I, I think that the art is wonderful. I love how, just, if you have like side by side panels and there's just like a little bit of detail that's changing, especially I think the, uh, when he's looking up at the screen and, and Batman's talking about him and, and, uh, keeps saying like, you killed him, you killed him, something like that, or death. Yes. And just the only thing that's changing is Bruce's pose, like he's freaking out and then he collapses to his knees, like just little, little details and little changes like that, but, and the skulls, all those skulls, I thought it was in Shakespeare's Hamlet. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I, I guess I really can't say too much about it except that, um, Darwin Cook is just, I I think he's so masterful at, at storytelling, not only with words, but with images as well. And it'd be interesting to see what this would be like without any words. And, and I think that he captures a lot of the, the tone, uh, just in, in how he's
0: drawing. Okay. What about you, Edward? Uh, I would agree. I, I like the
1: art better than a new frontier but i like i like i think the art works well for both the pieces um i probably wouldn't want to see this um on on a monthly book because to me this seems like it's it's i don't know it just seems like something that's very specific i mean and a lot of the story without getting into any plot like stella brought up the skulls a lot of this is dream and flashback Mm -hmm. and hallucination um and i think that this type of art lends itself very well to what what this what is going on in the story Um, I don't know if you had, uh, kind of a traditional Batman detective story that wasn't this much, um, kind of, kind of mental stuff going on here, that this would work as well. Um, but I think that the art is, is, is very solid and I would like to see more of it used in the same format, but I wouldn't want to see it for a, for a normal story.
0: Well, it's interesting that you say that, like, it might clash with a straightforward detective story because, uh, I I don't, I'm hoping this, this is exactly a, a rare fact, but I mean, a rare, a rare known fact, but he did go on to do Catwoman with Ed Brubaker, which is a lot more of a grounded, sort of gumshoe uh, type of story. And I don't know if, you're, if, I, if, I, if you've if you ever read that. Um, it's definitely, the collection of the story that I have is in Ego and Other Tales, where it collects uh, Selena's big score, where you see the character Slam Bradley, which uh, Brubaker brought back into the Catwoman titles, when she kind of came back with that leather, modern costume that she wears now. And you see Darwin Cooks, having that's an example of him kind of, uh, Illustrating Batman and Catwoman in a more sort of quote unquote modern take. I say modern take, like, you know, more of a modern story. And it might be an interesting uh, discrepancy between the story and, like, this of there, you know, where it's a very, you know, kind of grounded and heels to the ground detective story, and this where it's a lot of magic realism, uh, you know, a fever dream, basically a bad acid trip. And, uh, and then you kind of compare that towards his uh, new. new his new frontier work where it's a lot more superheroish, So I think that, like, uh, personally, kind of getting into my thoughts, I think that Garber Cook actually has a lot more arrows in his quiver than one might think just because he does do sort of a slick animated style. And I think that, like, this sort of had him, this, sort of, this story sort of gave him the opportunity to kind of do all of that because you saw the different aspects of Batman's history encapsulated with the supervillains, but also, like, the detective work, you know, sort of like the, the story starts off of him picking up, you know, the loose ends of a fight with the Joker, and obviously, like, the whole... Qu- I-, I call him, you know, Batman in quotes, like the big uh, monstrous figure that he's talking to the entire time. Mm-hmm. How he sort of, like, um, appears to him in, in smoke and bats and-, and everything. So I personally think that, like, the artwork... I mean, I, I love the artwork personally, person. I-, I really do. Uh, would I want to see it in every single Batman comic I've ever read? Obviously not, because, you know, there have been great Batman artists, but I think that in terms of the sort of specific style that darwin cook darwin cook has i thought he did a lot of uh i thought he pressed himself out pretty well uh that's a terrible way to say it but uh he had a lot to work or he gave himself a lot to work with in this story i think that uh his illustrative skills demonstrated uh the versatility that his artwork style has
2: i i I disagree with you guys on why i I don't really understand why you wouldn't want to see this type of art on on an issue every month. I, I don't think that it would be a, a main uh, tier. Well, I guess all Batman books are main tier, but I don't think it would be like Batman or Detective. But I, I think this really fits well with like a sort of a, a noir type of Batman that if you had some sort of like if you went back to Gotham Central or, or like Batman noir, some sort of title that's um, more gritty, uh, that, that this would work well. But I don't see any reason why... I mean, could you further explain why you don't necessarily, I mean, what's the difference Ooh. between this and, and what, you know, is currently going on in new, fi- I mean, obviously there are differences, but is why why doesn't this hold up for you? Well, yeah, it's better. Well, so, what does that mean? Why don't to see
0: it? I would like to rephrase. Um, oh,
2: <laughs> okay, yeah, sure, phone a friend, why don't you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you caught me in a corner. Um, when I said, when I whatever I said earlier, I don't remember, but. <laughs> it's not so much that, like amazing. <laughs> I don't. It's not so much. I wouldn't want to see this on a monthly Batman. T- uh, Darwin Cook, Darwin, Darwin Cook, Darwin <laughs> Cook, illustrated Batman on a monthly on a monthly basis. Uh-huh. I think is what I'm saying is that like maybe, in, in terms of the question I was imagining, you know, would I want to see this as uh, the Batman style forever? Like, okay, for a while after Hush, Jim Lee's Batman kind of became the de facto Batman. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the idea is that maybe. If in terms of like, the legendary Batman artist, would I want to see this really get its feet in the ground and make its stamp on Batman as an artist? One, as much as I like Darwin Cook's work, I think it's a little too reminiscent of Bruce Timm's style because he's definitely influenced by that. Um, it's not so much I would not want to see him on a multi basis. I think it's just that probably because it is too similar, then maybe I wouldn't want to see that sort of similar style all the time, I suppose. I, I think maybe I would like to see it on one title, maybe. Maybe Detective, maybe Batman, maybe um, whatever is not canceled right now. Um, so I actually, I actually retract what I said earlier. I would like to see it, but maybe I wouldn't like to see it everywhere, I suppose. Is that, that's more of what I want to say rather than I don't want to see it ever again. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I apologize for confusing me there. For me, it's just personal preference.
1: Um,
0: as much as I, you know, I really enjoy the
1: subject of the story here, and the art's not bad. I don't want to think it's bad, but it definitely feels like, and Donovan brushed on this, it feels like it's from the animated series for me, um, which in a way makes me feel like the story's a little divorced from normal continuity because it feels like it's something that's wrote for Batman the Animated Series. And I'm not saying I, I don't enjoy that, but on a, on a monthly basis, I, would pref- I prefer like Jim Lee Capullo. I prefer that more, I don't want to say realistic, but uh, more hardened uh, style. Um, I don't mind dipping into these things, especially for something that has a phenomenal story. I don't mind dipping into it at all. But as far as seeing every month, I just don't – I don't prefer the animated series style for my monthly intake of comics.
0: Okay. Although I would say that, like, if this were at its own title or Darwin Cook did his own Batman title, it probably would be the best one considering his, the types of work he has done on his own because Darwin Cook is, is a, an award-winning storyteller and comic books creator. So I don't know what our problem would be.
1: <laughs> oh, no, I don't think it would be bad. I think with this type of uh, – right. it, it's the um, – it's you don't want to you almost don't want to get too much of it because when you do get it, it's really cool. Like I like New Frontier and I love this book, but it's almost like it's it's fun to get it because I don't see it all the time. And I think for some reason, maybe that adds some amount of it being special because it's not like opening right. up and it's the second you look at it, it's not what you're used to reading in day in day out. So you instantly feel like wow, we're gonna get something different and something special here. So maybe that,
0: that's that's a good point. Yeah, it's it, it more along the lines of like it's a great thing that you don't you don't want to get too much of a good thing. I think. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's also sort of, sort of the same along the lines with a lot of, uh, classic Batman artists. I mean, on the website, we recently had a thing where it's like, we had, we had a classic Batman artist portrayed each day, and he said, yeah, you're Frank Miller's and you're Neil Adams, and you don't want to have that all the time because it becomes derivative eventually. So that might, that might be a fear that I might have down the line, but you know, this is a one-shot story, so why am I still talking? Um. Now, let, now let's get into the, the the main meat of the collected special. This story, because um, this is "Cars on the Table," one of my all time favorite Batman stories. If not the, my, my my most favorite, it's certainly in the conversation. I think it's for w- w- probably possibly the most underrated Batman story. Um, and I don't want to say it's wholly unique in that, like, oh, Batman's never questioned himself before, but the way in which Darwin Cook sort of took the time to illustrate, again, using that term in a broader sense, Batman's history, and kind of how the character body slam himself against his own ideals and his own his own kind of code of honor and his, and his own sort of um, goals, I thought was a very interesting, I thought it was a very compelling piece. And I thought the way he did that was actually extremely engaging and something that you really don't see a lot now. I think it's maybe more commonplace maybe ten years ago or beforehand but certainly now the kind of the comics are sort of wrapped up in their own storylines and their own little continuities whereas this one's a lot more of a you pull this out every now and then and kind of read it and take whatever you can get from it. So um going into the story the first group discussion question that I have is what do you think of the framing device in terms of Batman talking to Batman or Batman talking to himself or his ego let's say to kind of use the title or the monster calls himself fear you know what I mean because you read the story, unless you're Stella. Um, what exactly did you – what was your opinion over the general framing device of basically Bruce Wayne talking and confronting with himself in the Batcave? How did you take to that? And um, we'll start off with Ed for Variety's sake.
1: All right. Um, I mean, it, it, this is one of those stories where you hit on there is that we've all seen the um, inner dialogue with Bruce, and we've all seen him kind of question – you know, his his mission and his, does he kill, does she kill the Joker, blah, 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 blah. Um, I thought this one was interesting because it provided a, a visual representation of it as opposed to just the concept of arguing with himself. He's essentially, you know, arguing with uh, this monsterized version of, of Batman, his ego, uh, which, like you said, is directly derived from the title. Um, I find this one interesting because there's a reason why it's going on. Um, he, as he points out, he's you know, at one point the, he talks about he lost a lot of blood and blah, 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 blah. And he knows he's essentially hallucinating. And I, I, I do like the fact we're given a reason why, of all the bad nights this guy's had. Let's face it, if you're if you're Batman, you've had a lot of bad days. You've had a lot of bad nights. Um, why this one was kind of the uh, the tipping point. Um, so if you're talking about, do I like the general premise of, of a story essentially based on, you know, a trip down memory lane, which is what the story essentially is, um... Then yeah, I think that it's it's an extraordinarily interesting concept to deal with, of Bruce in fact confronting himself or part of his own personality. Sure.
0: What about you, Stella?
2: Yeah, well, you know, if I were to read this story, I would say probably something. No, I just can't. Guys, it's just a joke. I really did read it before coming <laughs> <probably> on here. <laughs> I just, I just, okay. Um. Let's see. How did I like this? I thought that, for me, you know, I've seen things like this before, not necessarily in Batman. Uh, I'm sort of thinking of a Spider-Man. the the sure. I know, the animated series episode where uh, Spidey is is talking to a, like, Venom-ish thing and and kind of seeping in. Do you remember this, Donovan?
0: I actually watched this last night.
2: (laughs) Oh, did you really? Okay, but. But I think it's great to have like a physical presence and and being and debating, you know, your your existence and you know how what type of personality should you be taking on. What I love most of all I think is that when he starts, he starts right at the beginning. Uh, with you know his um, with his youth and and the relationship with his parents and everything, and he even says you know you could feel me then, but you didn't know or you couldn't name me or you didn't really know who I was at that time. But like he even said like I was there, uh, and I just think that it, it was great. It almost had a uh, ghost of Christmas past feel for me, especially like that one scene. And I wondered if, oh, are we going this? Uh because he says, you know, let me bring you back to the beginning and it's like Christmas and he's floating down and, and Bruce is with him. And I think it certainly has some aspects of um a Christmas carol just because we are flashing back and everything. But just like Ed said, you know, instead of just having internal dialogue, I think it's great to be able to argue um with a manifestation of what you're actually trying to argue against. Um, But, you know, I think it gets to – and if you read the detective – wait, the detective uh, number 27, which was sort of this huge special, um, I don't know if any of you did, so I guess listeners made. Know this, but the first story you've got Batman. You can clearly tell Batman, like in his narration boxes, because you know they color it differently. But then there's like a journal entry going on, and you're not quite sure who's writing this journal entry. <laughs> and and I thought I, I actually love that story because the whole time I'm like, who is writing this journal right now? And I thought it was you know Batman. Uh, but then just like some of the things, you know, he gets a thrill out of what he's doing. Yeah, he admits he's a little insane. I thought, oh, it must be joker because it's also a joke at the joker it's also a joker origin story but at the end it says first journal entry of the batman so you're like oh my word all this is happening so i think it goes back to the fact that because he has this like split personality almost that we're also admitting that yeah batman is he's a little insane um but 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 i think it's great to put it out there and to almost connect himself with those people that he's fighting against because the Batman entity, you know, brings up Two-Face and, of course, Joker and everything. And then at the very end, I think Bruce is able to finally wrestle with the fact that, yes, there are these sort of two parts of him, but he's going to be able to, to hold them in and, and really deal with them. But I think it is great, I guess, in all of that blah, blah, blah that you just heard uh, is the fact that, yes, I, I enjoyed having a physical entity rather than Bruce carrying on a Dr. Jekyll Mr. Hyde conversation with himself.
0: That would been annoying. Um, one thing this reminds me of, and again, we, we've kind of uh, name-checked the animated series. Uh, there's an episode called I Am The Night where Commissioner Gordon gets shot, and Batman kind of just depressed over it and kind of uh, drones on about how he feels he doesn't have – he's not doing enough good, and – Basically, the entire cast of characters are kind of there to kind of pat him on the back and saying that he's doing a bang up job when he doesn't feel feel right. It kind of reminds me of that, although I think that this is a lot more, this is a lot more successful in that this has a, a, an exact thing that he has, uh, this is more of a problem that he, uh, that he, that results from him being Batman, essentially. Whereas that one I thought was a bit, I like that episode, but it was a bit unclear as to why exactly he was feeling bad besides the fact that he was in a bad mood. This one, uh, someone killed themselves and their family over uh, Batman's direct actions, and it was a very mm-hmm. real response towards him setting out to save the city. And I thought that in that sort of like, you know, cons- considered instance of what happens when he, you know, beats Batman and he threatens these thugs and fights the joke and everything like that, what are the what's the butterfly effect of him doing this to Gotham City? And mm-hmm. sort of to have him have that, much of a psychological break where he thinks he wants to quit over it, I thought it was a very strong and understandable uh, reason for him to sort of hallucinate this whole Batman monster. Um, the Batman monster in and of himself—it's interesting—and I kind of get—I'll get into this with a later question, uh, but it's a little more um, of a schizophrenic take on his psychology. But I understand the storytelling reasoning of it because it's not really. Again, magic realism is one of those things in storytelling, mainly in novels, where you kind of try to find meaning of it from it, and you can either take it for read or, or you don't. I mean, he, he wonders, you know, I'm clearly listening, it could be the scarecrow or not, but mm-hmm. this is happening, you know, for all intents and purposes. This is not, like, you know, not happening. So whatever, it doesn't matter what this character is. He is confronting these these questions of himself. He is asking these questions of himself, and he is, like, that's him talking to himself, that's not a separate entity. That's mocking the idea of Bruce Wayne, and Batman. That's that's him. And once you kind of realize that, and once you kind of realize that he's wrestles with himself, and he's he's not ignorant of these questions, like you know, why don't you kill people? Why don't you kill the Joker? And he really wrestles with himself when he gets right down to it. I actually think that the framing device is actually very very clever, because you know, I mean, Bruce Wayne is a character that's split into two different entities it goes right down to the name batman which is one of the most Mm -hmm. obvious things but when you get right down to it in this instance you're taking that to the nth degree and kind of push it that far along kind of i thought brought the story into very interesting corners of uh the character that again we don't really see up see that often Mm -hmm. so um (laughs) you're agreeing which i like Uh, Well,
2: I also don't think that this would have worked. I think that the time period that uh, Cook picks works well. It would not have been believable had it been later in his career. I I think that it needs to be, and it said that it was around the third year or so, and it just wouldn't have made sense if he had been a more seasoned person. And, uh, you know, when that whole thing happened with the, with the, the, well, I guess we can't call him a crook, but you know who I'm talking about. I mean, that... Huh? The henchman, sure, yeah. Uh, that really starts it all off. I mean, I just really thought, oh man, it reminds me of Steph, and just earlier on, uh, when that guy fell out the window during flood, the flood arc, and she felt really bad over it and was really racked with guilt and everything, and. Not that you ever get used to it, but I think now you, like, or later on in your career, like, you start to sort of harden yourself towards such things, and some things are just sort of out of your hand. Yes, it was really due to his actions, but I think later on he would have realized other ways to go about what he was doing, and so it made sense that uh, this sort of conversation and such an event would happen earlier on
0: in his career. I agree. And also, people tend to kind of, like, that was the whole premise of the... um Legend of, the, Legend of the Dark Knight series. When, um, a lot of those, I think it was Legend of the Dark Knight, or was it Shadow of the Bat? No, it was Legend of the Dark Knight. But m- most of those took place during his early days, like basically when he, he wore, like, the black and gray costume, the single bat. Like, before Robin. Like, that, that that was an entire series dedicated to exploring Batman before he became a lot more of a seasoned crime fighter. And that kind of spun out of year one, where we saw him a lot less, less experienced, um, a little bit more green. And so this is, I think, is the ultimate take where, He's already Batman. He's already gotten the trappings of the character. But what do you do when uh, a new situation that, that that could happen at any point in time in his career happens? So I think mm-hmm. that like this this kind of like it's sort of like the ultimate idea for questioning the character and kind of push push along there. Plus, it's a it's a chance
1: for us to have this this kind of argument we've had in a million different mediums, which is you know is Batman good or bad for the city? But the fact that he gets to have it with himself is one of the few times where we can actually have this argument where he's going to participate and he's going to be honest. Because if he's arguing this with Gordon or someone in the Justice League or whatever, he's always defending himself. You know, um, this yeah. is more of of a of him having his own conversation. Is because think about when when you see him in a normal continuity sense, it's always I'm right. That's the way it is. Get over it. Especially now. That, you know, we have like the new fifty-two version. So I think the fact that we see him kind of in this alone personal moment um, gets to see his real his real thoughts on the matter, which is yeah, he may have may not be perfect. He may be kind of screwed up. Uh,
0: <laughs> I, I, I see a lot of like like venues that will be uh, extrapolated upon later on. So we'll, we'll continue the conversation now. Um, next, what if anything? Did this reveal to you about Batman as a character? I mean, we were all very familiar with him. I think a lot of times, especially in the comic Cats, we kind of are—we kind of are comfortable with how we recognize Batman. And I think that a lot of times there are. Di- we say that Batman's this character that can kind of be taken in different, different uh, interpretations. You know, the '60s show, the Dark Knight version, all that kind of stuff. But did this, if anything—and it didn't have to—but did this really reveal anything about the character that you either didn't know or didn't don't usually think of? Did this sort of, like, give you a different idea on who Bruce Wayne might be as a character? Bruce Wayne, like, you know, the the main the main the main psyche. Or um, was this sort of, like, you know, well-trotted territory? Like, how did this, what did this say to you about Bruce Wayne?
1: Well, funny enough, it's uh, it's what Stella brought up a, a couple minutes ago. One of the things that I think this was new turf was the fact that we, and every story I can remember, and I certainly may have missed one. The, the idea of, of becoming Batman or the vigilante, all of it starts when Bruce's parents are killed, right? Right. I mean, that that's kind of the moment we always have is is it's Bruce's parents are killed. We don't normally get a lot of backstory with his parents. I think the the Christmas scene, the scene with his going father and his him and his dad having to talk about death, I think that's very interesting and something that is new territory because we don't see a lot of Bruce and his parents moments, you know, mm. pre-death. And, and we especially don't see the idea that there was some – Little nugget of Batman in him before his parents were killed. You know, I mean, you know, the, the Batman creature uh, it says something that what's celebrated further the day that the seed was planted wasn't the day that his parents died, which I think is a is a big change in, in the mythos. That because I mean, up until in most things I looked at, um, until his parents are killed, Bruce is just kind of this happy go lucky kid, and this one has a little bit that Bruce has kind of done some further introspection before his parents were killed. So I think that's probably the the biggest standout one for me is that we're dealing with, with that.
2: Yeah, to go off of that, I just loved the scenes. I love that a huge part of this took place before he was even Batman um, because I, I love parental relationships with their children in comics. Um, you know, Babs and, and her father is one of my favorites, and in the origins, you know, way back when in Detective and Batman, of course, we don't, I mean, it's, you know, a few frames of them, and we don't really get too much a sense of who Martha and um, whatever his face is. It's not John, is it?
1: Thomas? Thomas?
2: <laughs>
0: whatever his face is, Wayne. That guy.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: Doctor, whatever his face is.
2: Oh. I just kept thinking, you because I've been watching Smallville, so I'm like, it's not Jonathan. It's not Jonathan. Thank you. Martha and Thomas, like, we don't really know who these people are. And even in my comics class uh, that I do at at the school that I teach, you know, I talk about how, how do we know anything about these people. And we can, to a certain extent, look at Bruce. And see how he turned out to, to see that potentially these these were, you know, quote, good people if such a thing existed. Uh, and it seems like they, they raised him. Uh, with good sense, and, and they were very loving, and it's good to get that idea um, in your head, but to actually see it here and to sort of reinforce that, I think, was great. Um, and, and again, that may not be something that I've never known, but it's certainly something I thought about, it and it was great to see. I I love seeing him be unsure of himself. Uh, I, I feel like perhaps we've seen that, you know, in, in Batman Year One, but. And New 52, I mean, he makes mistakes, but he doesn't really second-guess what he's been doing. But this is, I mean, it's just a battle, you know, an internal battle that's really, you know, projected outward, obviously. Uh, But it's just great. I mean, he's even second-guessing Robin, like, just that ability. I mean, he even tries to, like, argue he can take care of himself. And then the Batman says, but what if, and then he starts shouting about it, which, like, basically is saying that, well, he's got some doubts about Mm. Robin's presence there, mm-hmm. which is pretty interesting, um, and just yet, yeah, yet, yeah, you know why why am I doing this sort of thing? and the thought of well, killing has to be in his mind if he's discussing it and and, and all of this stuff, so just being unsure because I think we have a lot of cocky. Uh, superheroes around, and they don't, we, we don't necessarily see what they're, I, I just, in my mind's eye, I see Guy Gardner, cause that is like one character that I dislike so much. Uh, but, we just don't see, you know, what are they really thinking, and yeah, they mess up, and they get really hard on themselves, but this is really great, and, and really pulled out, and, and exploring all aspects of why Batman, or how could he be unsure at this point in time. And I, I think this was just a really great character study that, Uh, I may not be as well-versed in Batman, but this is certainly the first time I've seen it, I think, this well done and and this drawn out and really exploring, you know, all 360-degree aspects of of this character. So I I would say those are the the things for me.
0: Okay. Um, And and on my my end, um, I thought it was interesting in that, like – I say interesting. I thought it was actually very uh, engrossing how this sort of, like, again, him talking to himself – he kind of had an answer for everything that Batman was kind of throwing at him. I say again, mm-hmm. Batman in quotes, like where he says, you know, uh, you know, oh, you you play with the cops and have this jokey bat signal and you know, adopt this kid and he he never like, you know, twiddles sounds like ooh. Like he kind of said like, you know, like they further our cause, you know. He can take care of himself. When um immediately when he he says, you know, like uh, we need to kill the Joker, Bruce is like, ha, "No." And he says, "You know, explain why not? You know, you're saying like, you know, you're trying to protect people from Gotham City. So why aren't you doing what you know is the only way to take them out?" And he immediately says, "Everyone lives in harm's way. You know, crime, like like tragedy happens indiscriminately." And then, like after a while, like halfway through the book, he starts laughing at himself. It's like, which to Mm -hmm. me shows shows a very interesting level of distance between his mind and his. His, his will, I suppose, or his goals, because, like, because this Batman character kind of represents the goals and how he's able to uh, accomplish them, in essence. Like, one of the most interesting pages to me was um, when he says, you know, uh, when he explains, like, the Joker chose madness as a way to deal with what happened to him. And it kind of, like, you know, the, you kind of see that swimming in his brains. this frankly, this is crazy. And he's, he starts laughing at the fact that he's even talking to himself in this way. And I thought that was, like, that was actually kind of, like, very psychologically just, wow. <laughs> like, the fact that he had that much distance from himself to say, this, this is frankly insane. And my 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 natural inclination is to laugh. And obviously, like, you know, he kind of, the guy, Batman doesn't really uh, appreciate that and says, if you don't listen to what I'm saying to you, the jerk is going to kill Robin. <laughs> but, um, uh, I thought that was actually interesting because, again, we... In terms of how we come to know Batman, especially lately in the past few years, he's been very much, I, I think it's easy to kind of paint him as a one-dimensional character. And that gets boring. So to have him kind of be very sort of, not self-deprecating, but fully aware of who he is and what he's doing, to kind of, you know, question himself to the point of saying, this actually is frankly ridiculous. What, what am I saying about myself? That to me, I, I've never seen that done before, ever, and I don't think I've ever seen that done since. So I thought that was mm-hmm. pretty in- interesting that Darwin Cook implemented that level of um, self-awareness to Bruce Wayne. I think. Mhm.
2: Yeah. You make you make this story sound so good. I wish I had read it.
0: <laughs> well, if you like,
1: you can leave now. <laughs> come back and we're, yeah, we're now going to take it about an hour off. We'll come back after Stella's read it. <laughs> it's
0: really good. <laughs> uh, Does, do you guys want to add anything? I feel like some guys, somebody was want to talk for a second.
2: Yeah, Ed. Sorry, I'm interrupting. <laughs> <No>. I <him. laughs> My my dumb joke.
0: <laughs> no, but it's 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 a, you know it's the thing that I, that I was thinking about
1: when you were talking to which was, we're led to believe by all accounts that in pretty much every story, Bruce Wayne is an intelligent guy. He's a smart guy. Yeah. Uh, we have we haven't seen an Elseworlds yet where Bruce Wayne play, is mentally handicapped. You know. Right. Um, so the idea that someone who is this intelligence... And, and the other thing is he, he knows about psychology. He such, he has really has to study it. He uses it all the time in his evaluation of criminals and everything else. The idea that he wouldn't at some point in his career have one of these, you know, these bell cow moments, uh, a moment of clarity, you know. Right. Where, where, where he looks in the mirror and says, hey, what the hell am I doing? You know, like, what is going on here? What The idea that he... That, he doesn't have – that he wouldn't have had this is is ludicrous. And I think, like you said, this is the first time I can remember seeing it where it's handled so well, you know. Um, I, we've all had the argument, you know, that we, and we've seen a million issues where Bruce says he's going to quit, blah, 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 he doesn't kill people. But this is the best form of the argument I've ever seen. Absolutely. Um, you know, and so my thoughts would be that, you know, you I would think that he has these kind of moments – more than we ever see, wouldn't you? I mean, I think that every three or four years he's going to have to have a, a moment of clarity. where He looks in the mirror and says, "Is this ship still on, on on course or not?" And I think that this version of it is extremely
0: well done. Well, I mean, it runs through what Stella said—that like it makes a, it makes perfect sense that he would have this fairly early early in his career, not year one necessarily, but like you know, he's not he's not on his third or fourth Robin. You know, he's he's not a member of the Justice League necessarily, mm-hmm. or at least that we don't know. Of. He he's. He's settled into the Batman role, but at this point, he still has his future ahead of him, and he doesn't know where, where that's going to take him. So at this point, he's like, you know, here's my, here's my life and how it is now. Am I still on a course of change, or is it worth worthwhile for me to change? Because I really do not like it whenever the idea of, of him quitting comes up, uh, typically, because it's usually very stupid. One of my least favorite instances is in Batman Forever, which is a film I actually like. But, like, he basically quits because Nicole Kidman wants to ask him out on a date. And he said, so, from this moment on, Batman is no more. And Crystal Donald's you with him not to be such an idiot. And it's just, like, no, that's, that's out of character. That that doesn't make any sense. My, what I was about to say is that if he's being Batman and he's not, he's doing what Batman does, and that results in somebody killing their family and committing suicide, that, to me, is a perfectly logical explanation for him to stop and say, really? What am I doing? Am I doing any good in the world? I mean, he says the very, at the very beginning, "I learned a long time ago I can't change the world." And these last three years, I can't appreciably change the city. Is all that I can change is myself? And that's you know that's something that I think, like you guys said, an intelligent question, uh, an intelligent person would ask himself. And in this instance, everything he's doing is not necessarily for himself. Deep down, but it's for, like, you know, the good of, you know, Gotham City and, you know, to kind of save his soul before he realizes later on that. And and again, he says later on, if he kind of let himself do whatever he wanted or at least kind of checked out his morality at the door, he could be totally a monster. And the Bruce Wayne aspect of himself keeps him from killing people, keeps him from killing the Joker, keeps him from just going completely bananas, to lack of a better phrase.
2: Uh, two things that Ed uh, brought up that I thought were interesting. Uh, the one thing is just the fact that, uh, you know, he knows psychology um, of, of himself, I think, just general studies and, and possibly, you know, enough to be able to diagnose Uh, what he's going through and and what other people go through. And I think that's like spot on. And I think one of the things, one of the pages that really gets to me and I think really puts everything in perspective and and starts this whole book off uh, is not necessarily him saving that guy and then the guy saying, why did you let me live this time? I killed my family. But when he's driving home and he's like flashing Mm -hmm. back at these very out-of-context Scenes, you know, you've got Hugo Strange. I assume that's Hugo Strange. Yeah. uh Really diagnosing him. You have um, the mayor and Jim Gordon, and the mayor is saying that he must be some sort of crazy person. Um, and then, uh, and then, of course, the guy that he just saved and well, shooting himself and like burning in some fire. And fire is sort of a theme that pops up here because you see it a lot. So I wonder, it's like. This whole thing is his personal hell, and we kind of see that symbolism going through there. But uh, I just thought that was a wonderful image because it's it's been there, and like those people, I think it gets to him. He tries he, he tries to shrug it off and you know be Bruce Wayne and shrug things off, but you can tell that it really sits with him. Um, and I'm I think sorry, which image? uh oh, just that page with okay. Hugo's him driving, and it just I think all of those are. Um, I just thought that's really where it starts off, and that's what it's sort of like a little seed, and then the seed starts to br- sprout. The more often he hears this sort of stuff, and then this happens, and everything. Um, and also said about, uh, you know, every every few years or so, uh, we're going to encounter something like this, where where something he where I think Ed used were like put into focus or clarity, something like that, like what he's doing.
1: Is that correct? Yeah, Moment of Clarity.
2: More Moment of Clarity, yeah. And I think um, in some ways, I think other characters are able to to also sort of bring this, this point home or this debate home, and I'm really thinking about Under the Red Hood because Batman was really, he was keeping on track with, you know, his belief system. Mm-hmm. But uh, Todd was really the one, well, Jason Todd. I don't want people to think that I was stupid. But Jason Todd <laughs> was really the one that, you know, he was almost the bat the bat guy in, in that story because he was the one that was saying all this stuff and, and obviously putting Barbara's um, and everyone else that the Joker heard into perspective too. So I think it's – I don't think I would want to see Batman ego time after time. Uh, I think that certainly creators have to switch it up and perhaps using another character uh, to drive that, that idea home is is great. I don't know if we've really seen it in the New 52. Um, Perhaps it's just so forgettable that I haven't noticed anything. And I think, you know, Batman, the zero year, I guess maybe we're supposed to, maybe there should be some aspects of that. But I haven't really seen it yet. And um, I I think I would remember it, I guess, uh, if it were like Batman ego. But the thing was, Batman forever. Let's be honest, Donovan. Let's let's break down the walls of lies and deception.
0: (laughs) I'm listening.
2: (laughs) <laughs> well, you said that he, you know, he, he dropped it in order to go on a date. And, uh, well, I'm just thinking about Spider-Man too, And, and and of course, that's based off of, I believe it was Amazing Spider-Man 50. And just this idea that, I mean, Spider-Man, to a certain extent, uh, is, is very similar to Batman. He's more of a loner character, and he's got a lot of responsibility thrust upon him, and he feels this duty to to uh perform and and be a hero and he also desires something greater and and almost to his personal advantage and he gives it up in the movie anyways he gives it up for for mary jane so i i feel like i'm not as harsh and and critical of of bruce walking away to go on a date with nicole kidman as you may be (laughs) because spider i mean what do you feel about spider-man walking away from his duty Do, do you not think that's as believable as batman walking away
0: well, at least in there, he lost his powers.
2: Yeah. Batman
0: that, that, that was, like, you know, yeah. like, throwing throwing away his gadgets and turning back. the Batcave.
2: But, I mean, in the end, they'll always come back. I feel like there, there's going to be a time that they'll give
0: it up. I don't care. I didn't like it. <laughs> okay. I just didn't like Batman
1: Forever <laughs> at all.
0: I like, like Batman uh, Forever, but I like I was like shocked that thing.
1: you, like, enjoyed the movie. I, I mean, oh, I don't know.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it really can't hold a candle to Batman and Robin. Well,
0: no,
1: what can. What can, though? I mean.
2: It's true. Um, okay, well, I'm done with all my points.
0: <laughs> I'll hear about that later. Moving on. Um, let's see what we have here. Ah, uh, yes. And then we talked about how, we have talked a lot about how this story has Batman questioning himself. It brings up all the foibles in the character and the seemingly hypocritical inconsistencies with the character. You know, he's, he's dark and he doesn't kill. You know, he's out to save people and yet he, quote-unquote, allows, you know, like, we were, like the, the quote-unquote, revolving door that is Arkham Asylum that people are, mm-hmm. like, all of that. Basically, how do you think the story handles the persistent questions that, you know, plague Batman's existence? You know, the need for a Robin, you know, like the, the, like the ludicrous idea to involve a young person in this sort of crusade that that he took on himself, his unwillingness to kill, his his not killing the Joker, this is confronted in this story. How do you think they confront this? Were you satisfied with how these questions were asked and answered, or did this at least kind of tickle your brain to the point where it got you thinking more about those questions?
1: I was satisfied by the way the story handled them. Um, I, I'm trying to. I'm not satisfied by the answer because I'm never satisfied by the answer that Bruce comes up with, which. If, if Arkham Asylum really has become this this rotating door of and it, and it has, I mean, let's it, 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 I, I understand it's integral to the plot of comics for villains to come back, and it's also part of the of the plot, basic plot that they have to be caught. So unless you're constantly going to be reinventing new characters, I understand that this is almost just something that comes along with the territory. Um, but that being said, I've never understood when you have someone who's who's dealing out death and disfigurement on the level the Joker does. Um, I think the, the option is clear that someone needs to just toss him off a building. Um, there's really no other good rationale to it. Like I said, I I love the way it's handled here. And it's it's wrote very very well, and you get you get the insight of of once again why he's not gonna why he's not gonna do this. I do like the internal conflict that we see here, which is, in so many times we just see this kind of carte blanche. Uh, no I'm Batman I don't kill. That's it. That's the end of the story. But I, I like the fact we, we see here that he has at least I, I wouldn't say he's given serious consideration consideration to actually, you know, as far as plotting out his death, but that he understands that, that this is not a great, you know, a great system that they're currently working in and he, he gives serious consideration to is, you know, is killing the Joker actually the morally correct thing to do. So I like the argument here. I don't like the answer, but that doesn't mean that it detracts from my enjoyment of the story. It just means that I don't like the answer. Um, but, no, I think that it's very, very well handled.
0: Do you not like the answer because you don't agree with the notion that he should not kill?
1: Yeah, I, well, I don't think he should kill, I, I, I've had this argument before, I don't think he should kill Two-Face. I don't understand. I'm just, I just pulled that out of, the, out of the sky. But I think the joke... Die, Two-Face, is, die! Yeah, I, mean, like, I, don't, I mean, I'm just saying I think that it's, we have a clear, we've always had a clear line in, in Batman comics for the most part. Uh, that, that the even in the movies, for that matter, if you if you look at the the verse that the Joker is the really really bad guy. That he's the exception to the rule. He's not redeemable. He's not. I mean, he's he's never going to be better. It's not like Harvey, where maybe one day he might be better. Or he's got a soft side to. It. He has none of those things. Um, and and he, always when you're looking at something that's placed in this time frame, where you can essentially look at a guy. This is, of course, pre Jason being killed, before Barbara being put in a wheelchair, and. You know, Sarah Eason getting – I mean, you can just list them on and on and on. Um, you know, I mean, you, you. I would be curious to see him – to see, you know, Cook do a follow-up to this where he has the same conversation post him doing all this.
0: I thing. told you. Yeah, you're right. I, I, mean, I mean, that
1: would be interesting to see that kind of follow-up conversation of, hey, are you finally ready to get on board with my idea of killing Cook? <laughs> You know, like, or what, what else does this guy got to do? Because we're having this argument early in his career before these things happen. So I think at this point, I'm kind of almost changing my mind as I'm talking. I think at this point I am okay with the answer. Because, all oh, the Joker's been a bad guy. He hasn't really done the the list of really bad things he does, right? So I think I'm okay with the answer here, but I disagree with it overall that the answer is that he shouldn't kill the Joker. So. It's a yes and no, which I think is the best thing about any story. Is it legitimately makes you think
0: about it. I think that's interesting.
2: So, what is exactly is the uh, the question? Answered? Well,
0: like, like uh, you know you know the basic like you know, duh, Batman should kill the Joker, or you know, duh, mm-hmm. Robin sucks. He, like I like Batman without any psychics, or or Batman should only exist like you know like a, like a, away from the cops, like you know the bat mm-hmm. is the stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, as Batman fans, we're well versed in these sort of like, you know, schoolyard arguments that we typically mm-hmm. ignore. So those are always talking points of the character. How do you think this this story confronted those talking points and had Bruce respond to those talking points and those sort of accusations at his character?
2: I think, uh, for me, I was least satisfied, not by the Joker. Well, I guess I'll, I'll hit all of them. I was least satisfied by the Robin one. It was one page... Uh, he says he's able to take care of himself. The bat says, I see. Do you honestly believe dot, dot, dot? I will not discuss this. And that's it. And then he says, well, there are more important. And they move on. And my thinking is, well, what do you mean? Honestly, believe, believe, what? What are you saying, Alan? What's who? <laughs> I <know. laughs> um, and, and I wish, wish I knew. So, obviously, I love that that doubt is pulled up. Like, I talked about that before. He, he, there's some doubt deep within him about Robin being with him, uh, but I just wonder what that was uh, and why that's like a total cop-out for the Bruce character. He just ignores it and says, I'm not going to talk about it. That's like the worst thing to put away. Um, So I'm a little disappointed with that one. The the one about um, the cops, what does he say, I
0: think? Your need for approval yielded to the call of celebrity.
2: And I'm wondering if... But I, I don't ever see Batman as a celebrity, so I feel like that one, I'm trying to find that page.
0: I think it's actually more so of a, uh, like, your mileage may vary, because there are times where he does show to, he does, you know, like in Dark Knight, like he is with the cops more often. But, you know, right. in other instances, like, they're, they're chasing him half the time, so that's, that's kind of inconsistent, admittedly.
2: yeah. I mean, but he, it's just weird, like a weird argument. He says, um, your vanity, need for approval. But he wasn't the one that come up with that bat signal, you know, Jim Gordon was. And I think the argument, I mean, he needed Jim. It was easier to be a friend to the police than it was, um, to be by himself and constantly chased. I mean, just, I'm sorry, people, but just look at Spider Man. Like, <laughs> he, he, but I know, I know, but he had such a rough time. Uh, because, I mean, he's got a publisher that's on his back all the time and is really swinging public approval away from him, and it's just so hard to do what you think your duty is to not be accepted and, like, be chased not only by bad guys but, like, the good guys as well. And so I feel like that that's it's a good argument to bring up, but I disagree with the bat whatsoever, and, and I just don't see why Bruce would have that thought because I, I, I think that he needs, yeah, the war necessitates necessitates allies i really think that that um I, I mean i think that's a good point the the joker one the joker. yeah that so yeah the, <laughs> that that argument has come up a lot um i don't know if this one was as i mean the fact of the matter is what does he say i will not have blood on my hands and i'm surprised the bat didn't say but blood is already on your hands because, really, since he hasn't ended the Joker or done something, lobotomized him, like, in Justice League, um, you know, he's going to keep going. And, like, through that, I, you know, he's going to have blood on his hands. But he gets so close, you know, so often. And, and just look at all the things. Under the Red Hood, I think, gets at this. And, obviously, death in the family, not that other one. And, hush. Uh, and yeah, hush. I was going to say, like, that's when he gets really close. Uh, and, again, there's another way for us to to look at what would it be like for Batman to, to doubt that, but instead of having an internal, external uh, debate with himself and a hush, at least, there are other characters that pull him back from that brink, and Catwoman, I think, and, and Dick Grayson are certainly a couple of those people. Or was it Tim? Um But, uh yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't <laughs> know if I could ever see Joker getting killed. Or what I think about that, um, because, again, this is another debate we have in our classes, you know, why not end it, because it is this revolving, or you put him away, and he gets out, and you need to fix that building or something, or put him in solitary like Bane was. Um, but it, it would completely change the character if, if he killed him. It would, I don't think it would be Batman anymore, and I don't think once that bloodlust um, was... I, would it ever be satisfied? He would not stop with the Joker, even though he's the one that needs to be put down the most. So that's a that's a tough thing. But out of all of those, I think Robin was certainly the one uh, that was the least satisfying. Now, I do have a quick question about Robin. Uh, so this is happening year three. Yes. And so I can assume that that's uh, Dick. But why, why is uh, Dick Grayson's costume in an actual case?
0: I think that's the idea that, like, uh, at that time – uh, Because, you know, the, the, yeah, if he has various bad costumes there, it's just, uh-huh. oh, what' well, Robin's here, it. too. But it, okay. it, it, does, it does echo, like, especially when the, the case is broken, it does certainly echo Jason Todd's memorial case.
1: Yeah, yeah. See, I kind of mentally checked into the, and, and I don't I, I didn't realize I said, I was even thinking this until Stella just said that. I guess my mind had mentally put this story in the Batman, Man, the anime series universe, when Dick had went off to college and quit being Robin for a while. Um, I don't know why, but that's why my—I just realized when you said it—that's why my mind had Mm -hmm. mentally kind of put this event. So,
0: well, I mean, uh, again, we talked about if this is clearly earlier. He—he says there's reference to him being Batman for three years, and post-credits continuity, he adopted Dick Grayson in year three. So Uh, he, plus you know the costume is the, the original golden age costume, but whatever. Um, I am going to answer this, and then my answer will eventually, and I'll and I'll tell you when it is kind of uh, uh uh evolve into the the, the next question. Mm-hmm. So I might talk for more than a minute. So just <laughs> yeah. bear, <Fair> enough. <laughs> you up, not ever, yeah. you know what I'm
2: saying?
0: Bear with like, me. And and feel, and feel free to uh, you know, interrupt and um I mean like interrupt and comment on on your own points or your own thoughts on whatever I say because I want this to be a discussion and not just, you know, taking turns in class. I don't really have a dog in the race in terms of the cops thing. That is a question that's asked, but, like, I think Wayne answers it fine, is that the war necessitates allies. I accept Gordon the Bachelor because it furthers our cause. So exactly. it's like, you know... And it really, like, you know, I'm really going to say, derp, 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 you're, you're having... You have friends with the police. What a loser. Whatever. Um, I like... I actually... I, I, I'm the opposite of Stella, as always, in that, like, I kind of like the Robin thing because it is so brief. This is, this is not about... Robin doesn't really need to be in the story, but he does need to be mentioned because he is a major factor in the in the mythos. And the fact that like it is so brief to me speaks volumes. Actually, the fact that it is a very like like a page with very few panels, and that, that there's that half splash page of Robin fighting these these bunch of terrible criminals, and Bruce just answers at once. He's able to take care of himself. But the Batman uh, introduces the uh, he when he's first talking like when when. Bruce responds to, you know, this is why I accept uh, Commissioner Gordon. Batman says, that, that, I wasn't referring to Commissioner Gordon. I was referring to, you, you know, your ward. And um, he he characterizes this. He captures this as your, some, your, quote, your somewhat pitiful need for companionship. So then when he responds, do you honestly believe? And Bruce says, I will not discuss this. I think this piece of volume is in the fa- on, on terms of the fact of why he accepts Robin and why he uh, made Dick Grayson Robin because there's an aspect of him that says, you know, he 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 tells himself, he tells Alfred, you know, I, I saw this kid go through the same thing that I went through, and I want him to have a better experience and you know have the opportunity to take upon the vengeance to uh, to assert justice and you know to make meaning of what's happened in his life. But there's there's always been an element, especially in the Silver Age. I mean, there's been stories like Robin dies at dawn where Batman Batman's war is a lonely one and the reason why Robin was introduced in the mythos before Alfred was that, you know, the idea of obviously a, a kid being a uh, an audience surrogate for the readers. But the idea that to be with Batman also gives Batman a sense that he doesn't have to go through this alone, which is why uh, he has Robins again and again. You know, it's a major factor of uh, what Tim Drake tells him in a Lonely Place of Dying. So to have a very brief mention of the fact that this might just be more for companionship than it is for uh, Dick's sake, I think it's, it's it, Bruce is sort of ashamed of that fact because he's Bruce Wayne, he doesn't like the idea that he desperately needs help or anything like that, but the fact that the Batman kind of like like uh, amusingly says, this is why you have this kid lying around the house, to me I think that is actually um, I really like that personally, um, so I think that like yeah, I, I, I like Robin and while well, I would have liked to see him more in it, I think the way he's done in this is actually pretty good because it speaks like Like, you know, brevity speaks volumes of what he means to Batman. <clears throat> now, uh, in terms of the Joker, and um, why he doesn't kill the Joker, which, is personally, I'm kind of tired of the argument because it's been answered a lot. It's not though it's, it's not been answered. But um, it is a facet in Batman's character that, like, you know, you try to prevent death. It's not so much that... Uh, Batman's typical answer is, I'm not a killer. To kill someone is... Against guess my moral code is against who I am as a person. But the argument typically is, you know, you don't have to become a bad person by killing the Joker. You know, I'm not talking about Scarecrow or Penguin or Dent, just him, um, Jason Todd said. And um, yeah, yep. it's one of those things where it's like, it, the question is, is killing wrong when it's done for the, the greater good? You know, it's a question of war, you know, like like war it it, it, it it kind of goes back to the whole Watchmen thing, like you know, is is it better to you know sacrifice a few people to save a million? Is it better to save a life to save everyone's life, or, or or you know to sacrifice a life to save everyone's life? I mean, and it's sort of like a very universal question that, to be perfectly honest, you really can't answer in a Batman comic. That's why it's it's a lot more in terms of the character rather than the the question itself. Um, and in terms of the question, Batman's a superhero. I feel. And um, I think that, like, Darwin Cook Cook recognizes this. So he doesn't try to break Batman's – obviously, he can't do this because it takes place in Batman's past. Batman's not going to decide to kill the Joker. But he attacks that question enough more than once to where he says, listen, you know, I can't – I have the capacity to do that. You know, if I left you unchecked, my the wrath that I would inflict on Gotham would be monstrous and utterly ruthless. I know I have that in me. Uh, it's not so much I cannot kill the Joker, but I can't let let my wrath untempered because I don't know what I would be able to do. It would just it just would not stop with killing the Joker. So it's part responsibility and it's part of the fact that that's not who I want to be. And Batman is supposed to be a symbol of hope in terms of Gotham City. That's why he, as dark as he is, as dark and violent, as dangerous as he is, he does have to be that sort of light for people to look up to, essentially. Because it's Gotham City and that's, that's as light as it gets. But it's also like, you know, again, he's a positive character who symbolizes hope. I think this is something that the Chris Nolan movies actually got pitch perfect because they recognize that it's not just about Batman and the darkness and the depression and the violence. It's about what he means for the city, and it's ultimately a bright, happy spot, for lack of a better phrase. And unless anybody wants wants to counter to that, I think it kind of lends me into the next question in terms of my own personal take uh, my question is, does this story, or does this, uh, or do these questions, or does this interpretation of Batman resonate with my personal take on the character? And I think the reason why this is one of my favorite, favorite stories is that I think it does, you know. It doesn't play ignorant and ignore the questions and inconsistencies with the character. Why do you have Robin? You know, why don't you kill the Joker? It, it confronts them in a way I feel is intelligent enough that keeps the character sane, personally. I'm not really a big fan of the idea that Batman's somebody who's flat-out insane or could be labeled as clinically insane because I think that's a very cynical way to approach the character. I mean, my my typical knee-jerk reaction is, oh, if if you think he's crazy, just look at Green Arrow. He has an arrow car, for God's sake. But everything Batman does...
2: He doesn't always have it.
0: Well, he did. But um, everything that Batman has and everything that Batman employs is for a purpose, you know. He has a car so he can get around Gotham City expediently you know and quickly he has the gadgets so they can help him fight crime you know he he became a master of you know detection you know became the world's greatest detective so he can solve crimes quicker you know he became obsessed about the criminal element so he can understand it it's a thirst for knowledge you know and one of the one of the greatest uh things you can say about the human race is that we try to find meaning in everything we do. The whole reason he's Batman is to find meaning into his parents' death because he's a kid. There's always an element about Bruce Wayne that will be that kid, but at the same time, that kid tries to evolve and develop to where he knows as much as he can so he can make meaning in that and to keep that thing from, keep that horrible thing from happening to anyone else. I think this is an illustration. This might be an elaborate and, some might even say belabored illustration on who Batman is, but I think that you kind of need that at times because he's always questioned. He's constantly questioned. He's constantly taking the task as to who he is, and I think this does it in a way that's direct and honest without breaking, um, you know, the character. I mean, the, the discussion of duality is brought up when they talk about Harvey, Harvey Dent, and it's like, you know, well. They, kind of, they also bring up the fact that, you know, you could be Bruce Wayne, you can have this life, but at the same time, what life is that exactly? My favorite page in the entire comic is that, that nine-panel page where you see Batman saying, you know, you turn your back on me in the name of what? Your so-called life? And you see the day-to-day, uh, you know, dealings of Bruce Wayne where he deals with these women, he deals with these people, and it's ultimately a um an exercise in futility because that's not the life he wants. That's not the life he set up for himself. His true life is being Batman. Even if the heart of it is being Bruce Wayne being Batman. Some might say that this story is a belabored point, essentially like you know it confronting the questions in a way that kind of really, really repeats them again and again and answers them again and again. But I think that like in the way that it does that, it kind of uh kind of hammers home why Batman is who he is, you know, in an honest way. It doesn't change the character but, it, it may, uh, to me, it makes me realize why I like him so much, personally. Because he has these, these morals, because he has his sense of honor, because he, he is, he is not, not static, but he's so resolute in who he is that he's unapologetic about it. Even if some of the things that, that's questionable about him seem entirely questionable, like, you know, it's a logical thing to kill, want to kill the Joker, but does, th- is that, is that really what you want Batman to be? Like, like, like Stella said earlier, is that, you know, still Batman? And for all intents and purposes, it can't be because Batman is somebody who doesn't kill. And in that sense, in who he is and how he accomplishes things, and especially the fact that he questions himself at times, or maybe even this one time, in this manner. Um, I think this is probably one of the best uh, takes on Batman personally, kind of get to the nugget of the question. The question mm-hmm. was, does this... Does this um, Resonate with my personal take on Batman, and it, it absolutely does, which is why I enjoy it so much. There's no points where it really does conflict. I think the uh, the language of the character, I mean, uh, the voice of the character is spot on. I think the illustration, in terms of, um, I, I like the I, I like the art, but also in terms of like how he operates, like how he uh, ties up loose ends with uh, Buster Gibbs, uh, how he treats his allies, and how he sees what's happened to him. I think is. Um, uh, pitch perfect, essentially. So kind of repeating the question and going to Stella if she feels ready since she didn't read the book. In terms of the Batman mythos, you are more of a Batgirl fan. But when it comes uh-huh. to Batman, in terms of how you see the character, how does this stack up? Does does this conflict with your views? Do you disagree with what it says in terms of anything? Or ultimately do you agree with this take, and does it agree with your take is what I was trying to say. Uh,
2: yeah, no, I got what you're saying. I'm glad that you clarified it. Um, I do want to at least say something. You said, you know, yeah, this point has been belabored, uh, you know, just this story. And I almost would disagree with you. I feel like reading it now in 2014 that we feel like that, oh, my gosh, I dated it. Solly Dustin. <laughs> that I, I, he doesn't like things that we dated. That we will say that, yeah, we've seen this before. But this came out in 2000. And I'm wondering, do you know how many times we've seen this sort of thing before that? Because I feel like the stories you have been talking about, Under the Red Hood, Hush, those all came after 2000, didn't they? Oh
0: Yeah, that's a good point.
2: So I feel like now it's just tough because I think you, perhaps, reading when you were all curled up after your Tough mother snowboarding experience, uh, MMA fight, you know, um, When your mom brought that home, that that may have been closer to 2000 before these other stories have come out. So you have, like, a really fresh, I think, um, untainted by the world of Batman as it stands now, uh, which would be, like, a wonderful time to sort of set our time machines and go back and read it. So, um it's tough to, to think about it without all of this outside influence. Uh, but for me, I, I feel like this story is wholly original, even though we have seen the Joker argument and everything. I feel like I've never seen this sort of debate um, really put forward in Batman. Uh, do I agree with, or do I, does it conflict with my thoughts on him? Or does it line up with, you know, what I thought Batman was? I guess it conflicts with, the image that I feel like we've we've always seen and has always been forced down our throats and put forward of Batman being this really strong guy. He's human. He's not Superman. So he's gotta really be the best he can be and he that you know, he, he attains that through all these different means. I think that it breaks that down and it shows us that, yeah, he's human. But that's what makes him so awesome, that, yeah, he's, he's really intelligent and all this stuff, but at the center of it, he's human, he has these doubts. It's easier to relate to this character that I have I, – I, I did read it, you know, even though that joke's been going on for a couple hours or an hour. It's easier to relate to this character that I just read today than I've ever related to Batman um, in my entire reading career. I, I'll be completely, because it just seems like, you know, just like Wonder Woman. I can't really relate to her because she's like this superheroine. She has these powers, and she's sort of really disconnected, I think, from the world. And Batman almost seems that way uh, because he, he's got to, you know, attain to be the best. I mean, he's in the Justice League, and basically everyone else has powers, but he's like this lowly human. So he's got to try to beef up and be as superhuman as possible, but... For once, I think in his life we see what he's actually like as a real human being, uh, and, and for that, I, I just am like, yeah, that's that would be an awesome Batman character to continue to read. Not someone that's that's putting on all this gusto and walking around like someone he's not. This is a guy that's got real doubts. Uh, things happen. He, you know, he makes mistakes. He questions some things that goes on, and he has he's got a lot of internal struggles and we learn more about his parents, I think that's the Batman. So I guess, yes, it conflicts, but it's because we, we. I don't think I've ever read something as good as this that really gets to the heart of the character and doesn't have, like, 50 layers of masks where you don't even get to see who Batman really is. Oh,
0: okay. Interesting.
1: It is this Batman? Well, you know, here's how I would look at it. Um, and it's, it's going to be similar to this kind of Stella's viewpoint on it, which is... <laughs> I really hope that this is how Batman behaves when he's alone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, when he has some genuine, you know, introspective looks. You know, he really thinks about what he's doing. Um, I think so much time we've, we're, we're left to believe, in, and not just the New 52, I mean... As much as there's been some serious missteps in the New 52, let's face it, there was some serious missteps before the New 52. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, so screwing up comics or screwing up Batman isn't, isn't new. But, um, no, it's not. It's, I mean, why don't we seem to think it is? And I fall into that trap as, as much as anybody else. But um, I think that this story is does fit into how I personally view the Batman character, because I hope this is how he acts when he's alone. Not that he's all of a sudden always hallucinating, but when he's alone, he is thoughtful. He is, you know, he's really putting the time, and he's, he's, he's thinking about his actions. He's thinking about how his actions affect the people around him. He's, you know, I've always thought it was kind of insane when they show this cavalier, like, he only feels bad when a Robin dies. But other than that, he's totally cool with whatever happens, you know? Um it shouldn't take the death of his son or the death of, a, of another Robin or the, or the death of another character to make him think about what he's doing. I mean, a truly thoughtful person doesn't need something awful to happen to think about things. You know, we all think about things in our daily lives. And, and sure, I mean, when tragedy strikes, it may, it may sharpen our focus or make us think about certain things, but we all are introspective times in our lives. Most of them aren't in a bat cave. They may be driving to your office in the morning or going to work or... Uh, you, but there's always times we should be thinking. So I guess does this fit into the character for me? Yes, I. This is how I would like to imagine he he is when he's alone. Not the kind of more often we're shown that he kind of when he's alone he sits around and he's he's just pissed off and beats up things, you know, beats up rocks or whatever. Um, <laughs> I, <you know, laughs> I don't. Yeah, well, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's angry, he's, he's punching, he's training, and he's...
2: He beats up rock. Yeah. You know, just, Sounds like Kroken almost got him. I there, a rock at him.
1: Come
0: here, thing.
2: <laughs> he's drinking,
1: he's beating up stones in the Batcave. You know, I mean, um, I don't know. Uh, but I mean, I like I this version of it. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing I don't like is this, and there's something that Donovan brought up. Not but I don't like Donovan. <clears throat> uh, but the idea that if he kills the Joker, he's just going to go on a killing spree. Like, I never really bought that. Like, you're telling me that if, if he, and, I, and again, it's, it's a good discussion, that if he made the calculated decision that the Joker has to die, that him killing the Joker would necessitate him killing every criminal in the I've never bought that. um that's the argument you see here kind of present in this book that, you know, once you go down that slippery slope, and I've never, I've never bought that. I mean, for him to become Batman at all would require incredible amount of, of self-control. And it, I mean, he's portrayed here like, He's an alcoholic that's, that's one shot of mouthwash away from going on a 10-day bender, you know? Um,
2: it's
1: a tough place to be. Yeah, it would be a tough place to be. But you know what I'm saying? I, I've never bought the, if he kills a Joker, he, then he would. Because that's always been the thing, right? Like, well, if you kill a Joker, then you're going to kill everybody else, too. Well, I think
2: it's a gateway. Well, I on. mean, what, what's what's to sh- close that off from you ever
0: stopping? Well, I mean, it's also not the only answer they have to, to that point. It's like, no, in no. terms of in terms of like you know, like, like if he, they were talking more about like you know if he kind of like induces self hypnosis or whatever, where when he's Batman, he's just totally right Batman. The main answer that I got from this this, this story is that like if he kills a Joker, then he's not who he set out to be, essentially. That is, that is a, an answer that, that um, that's basically un, you know, Under the Hood's answer, essentially, in terms of he kills a Joker. And, you know, I think that's a fair disagreeing, uh, disagreeing point to have. But I think in this story, that wasn't the only answer they had to that.
1: Well, and I think that the reason it works is because, in a, in a, in a way, both Under the Red Hood and this book present an argument that even if you disagree with it, it's enjoyable enough and actually brings up good discussion, you know? I, I think that when a book is, is very f- final in something, when, when it's, it's more, it becomes more preachy instead of, of opening you up to a different concept, it's when it's bad, but this book is very good at exploring, what, this whole book is essentially a, an abstract concept, right? Um, right. So it's good it's, it's good at exploring those things. Um, I just, like I said, that all I was saying was that I never bought, not just the Ego's presentation of it, but any presentation that Batman was one bad day from becoming a mass murderer. Um, I never really bought that, but but yeah, I I your your question. I don't of the, I mean, yeah, I mean it's, that's that's was all that's the only planet, but you know your question of does this fit in my personal viewpoint of the character? Not only does it fit in, it's it's a welcome addition because it's one of the few times that I can point to a book and say that you know this is the character I want him to be is is like he is in this book. So yeah, no, I think it's very much my personal canon. If you
0: wish. Well, actually, that sounds like like. Uh more so of an indictment on how the character's been handled recently, which, I mean, I would agree with. (laughs) Like, when you say, like, I wish he was was more done like this. Because, I mean, the reason why I like Batman so much is that, like, he... It wasn't so much like, 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 the comics were this all the time, but he... In the 2000s, he really did kind of change from one type of character that you saw in stories like Nightfall and Contagion and even No Man's Land to, like... Like, through... It's like, from War Games on, he became this incredibly... Miserable, uh, monosyllopic type of crime fighter that I think people, that's interesting to see from, from, from one distance, but, and again, i don't, I don't want to start arguing with people, cause, you know, this, this is a, we have a large relationship. I don't wanna say, like, you know, the D62 always sucks and everything that's not mine, Batman, is terrible. Cause I don't wanna say that, you know? But, the fact of the matter is that, like, the character does go through these different interpretations, and in our personal reading, he has gotten to a lot more of a more, uh, singular place than he was in uh, when we were growing up, essentially. Um, and, um, what the hell was I going to say before that?
1: Well, and the other thing, I'll, I'll join on that for you just a second there, is that, I don't think that, and, and again, I don't think every new interpretation of Batman is bad either. Like, I think it's very difficult to paint with extremely wide brushes. You know what I'm saying?
0: Like, yeah. anytime
1: you say everything X sucks, everything Y is awesome, like, as much as I love everything Nightfall, No Man's Land, there was a lot of crappy Batman comic books in the 90s and early 2000s as well. Like, let's not paint the picture. Not every issue was great. And, but I think that's something, what was the old, 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 the old saying, your memory cheats. Right? Yeah. Do you have a tendency to remember what was really good or if something was especially horrible? Um, but, I, I mean,
0: in well, the, the 90s.
1: Well, yeah, true. I mean, but I think that like now, New Fifty Two, like some, I, I like Snyder's run. I've always liked Snyder's run. I've always been a big defender of his, even on some stuff that some people find objective. But I think that's okay. But I think that your point is is really valid, which is you know, it, I don't. We're not saying that something is bad or good because the time frame was placed in, but because it is legitimately bad or good.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Because this this has, uh, for all those who've not read the story, uh, read it. But like, this isn't just you know the bad Batman yelling at, at, like, the nice Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne, in this story, is very calm, cool, and collected, even though he recognizes that he's talking to himself. And he has very well-reasoned arguments. He's not, it's not split in such a, in a easily, lazily definable dichotomy. The Bruce Wayne, I mean, honestly, like, 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 the way Bruce Wayne talks to himself in this, to me, is how I see the character in that, like, He's intelligent. He he's well versed in psychology. He's like you know this. Are we're, we're talking about self-induced psychosis? This is ridiculous. Harvey Dent's mentally ill. He he doesn't know what he's doing. So like in that in that instance, that's more along the lines of uh, a well-read character than who he can see now. But that's besides the point. Um. My final question for the story is, what did you think of it, basically? I mean, I, 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 we, we clearly didn't hate it. Um, but, but basically, how would you sum up the story in terms of your enjoyment factor and why was that and however you want to express that? And um, because I love hearing her voice, let's start with Stella first.
2: Uh, so let me give you some background, uh, listenership, out there. We... We finished Back Row Year One, which, by the way, I remember Donovan said, well, I didn't hate it. And then I thought, well, we're done. And, uh, you know, the thought was, what are we next going to read? You know what I'm saying? And uh, oh no, Ed, I think, tossed out the three-letter word ego. I, of course, being the female, is like, well, what the devil is that? And and then Donovan just starts going all fanboy, screaming through the you know the microphone and saying, "I love that story; it's one of my favorites." So, and if revenge- you know, <laughs> if you know Donovan and and I's relationship or my's, I don't know relationship, you realize that he gives me recommendations and I take them to heart and I watch Robotech. That was about you know three months of my life. <laughs> so I thought, okay, okay, I'm going to trust him on this. So I, I, you know, the first image you see is this cover, and I got pretty excited for it because this cover is pretty awesome. You just got to check it out. I really cannot describe it. It's very modern architecture, I would say, postmodern, if you will. So what did I think of the story? That was the background. Everyone's, like, fast-forwarding through it as I'm talking. I wasn't sure what to think the first three pages or so uh, It was hard to read, you know, the little The scrawl that Batman was and then But then we we, finally, we just had this turn After this guy killed himself All this stuff What really started for me, like I said in my little recap Was when he was racing home In that, that really um, older, older Batmobile Which was pretty awesome And, and, and seeing all these different scenes Well, not scenes, but images and, and flashing back to Hugo Strange Talking about him and everything and then just seeing his mom and his dad. And and I think that was, for me, what was so awesome about this, is just really getting to see what little Bruce is like with his family and getting to know them, because I think that's that plays such a big part. And then this, just trying to figure out, you know, what's going on with his dad. Is it in his head? Is Scarecrow attacking? Is it Joker or some sort? But like I said, what I love about the story, I really did love it, is just the fact that for once I think... In my readership of Batman, I really could relate to him, and he seemed like a character that was more down to earth than he normally is. Um, so I'm glad that I trusted Donovan on this. Uh, I, I think that even though it does have a, a slower start just getting into everything and his, his narration, once it really goes for you, it, it's like through, that, through the end. I mean, I, I really devoured this. Uh, so it was, it was marvelous. I loved the art. I thought that the art was – it was tough for me to answer that question because for me, like, putting art into words is difficult because it's very much like a feeling for me, and, and, and it evokes different feelings for me, so it's tough to nail that down. But I just think uh, Cook did a wonderful job with, with the art and with the story uh, itself. And, and like I said, you know, if you haven't – read the types of stories that are like this, you know, I think give this a try first, and then go and see other things, because I think perhaps our world views of Batman uh, tainted it a little bit, uh, but I, for the most part, was, like, able to ignore everything else and just focus on the story, but throughout minute blah blah and then i just did uh i bread I it was really great and i would certainly recommend it to any new or old reader of Batman i think this would certainly be a, a good way to get a new person into Batman because i think it's very uh new reader friendly in my opinion
1: uh, what do I what do i think about batman ego you know, overall listen i mean i think that donna and you know his love of this story is is probably echoed by me i mean it would be hard to. It would be very hard to believe someone reading this story and not being able to enjoy it on some level. There's things that I enjoy, which you know, regular literature as well, that I can certainly see that some people may not like it. Uh, but this story really doesn't seem like anybody could read it and not enjoy it. Um, on some level, uh, it's it shows to me that not every great story needs to be a. 15-story crossover with 14 Justice Leagues and three versions of The Flash.
0: Most of the time, they're not great stories.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, this is, a, this is a relatively simple story. Do we see some of the more uh, memorable characters like Harvey and Joker and, and kind of the flashback scenes and, 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 and the dream sequences in the book? Yeah, I mean, you know we, there's a, a sprinkling of them in there. Um, but at heart, this is an extremely simple story. Uh, Batman goes through something, a, a bad event, and goes home and thinks about his future. And then thinks about his past. I mean, it's it's not uh, it's not trying to save the planet. And I think that these type of character pieces are, are largely missing from, from modern comics. I know there, there's some out there, and some of the current writers are very good with characters. It's not meant to be a general insult. But I think this could be a manual or more of a how-to on if you want to write a good story, you know, write a good story. It doesn't need to be, you know, crisis on infinite planets. You know, it, it, it's... This can be a good story. Um, is, is it truly unique? I don't know. It might be, because Stella did hit in the fact that all the other stories we were referencing to, which kind of alluded to these same themes, may have came after Ego. And, and unless I really sat down and did some thinking about it, I, I, I honestly don't know. Um, they, they could have came from this, but regardless if they came from here or not, this is the best presentation of this type of argument or story that I've ever seen, which is the Batman dealing with himself, Batman thinking, and, you know, th- this is the best presentation of these kind of very simple but very necessary character moments. Um, I can't imagine not owning this book or not enjoying this book. So if you haven't haven't got your hands on it, check it out. And also, just as a quick note, if you get the uh, collected edition, uh, Ego and Other Tales, the uh, Catwoman story in there is actually uh, is pretty cool too. So check it out.
0: I was actually going to mention that because my my collection is Ego and Other Tales. Um, yeah, that's the one I've got. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, do you have that still, or did you just have like the Ego story?
2: I just had the Ego story. Was the Catwoman also by uh, Cook?
0: Yeah, written and drawn. Yes.
2: Okay, but it doesn't have anything to do with Brew Baker's. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Brew Baker's run.
0: No, it's a mini series that kind of le- that, okay. like, that 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 off from. Okay. Okay, um, I would like to conclude by reading uh, Cook's introduction, that which discusses Eco. is actually not that long. Uh, he says, "Quote: This was my first project for DC. I had spent a few years considering a career in comics and had developed several ideas for a pitch. This was to be my first real published story, and as such, I put considerable pressure on myself to come up with something unique. I knew I wanted to do Batman, and I wanted to tell a story that would encompass the entire mythos. Talk about setting yourself up to fail. A very simple and absurd idea emerged from." From all the head-scratching, what if Bruce Wayne and Batman were able to sit down and talk about what they do? Are they the same person? Completely different personas? Two sides of the same coin? This kind of dumb premise got me excited. It It allowed me to have them discuss all the important moments in their life from different angles. In order to avoid any literal separation of their physical selves, I staged the story in the aftermath of a severe psychological trauma. Our set is the landscape of Bruce's tormented mind, allowing us to visually move from place to place without transition. Upon review, I consider ego an earnest, yet flawed, first effort. Um, <laughs> well, if it's flawed, then I, have a very, I must have a very low bar in terms of Batman's enjoyment Batman Tales, because this is one of my favorite stories. Um, Nightfall is my favorite like Batman crossover, but this probably is my favorite Batman story. And if it's not my all-time favorite Batman story, it's, it's in the conversation. It's like top two. I, I love this story. I could honestly go on for a much longer time about like the, the dialogue, uh, just the writing, um, the, the storytelling, the, some of the scenes, like the scene, the page of Bruce's parents getting shot is mm-hmm. not However you think that, that might, that might be, it's different than what you're thinking, like in terms of like his face in the background and the parents and the flare of the gun, the image of Batman first appearing with the gigantic hand in, in uh, the splash page of all the exploits of Batman running around, the page of Robin, the illustration of the Joker through the laughing card, or the Joker card, to say. Again, that, that page, my favorite page of, uh, the several women interspersed with the people Bruce Wayne meets on a day-to-day basis. The images, of the bat- like that image that Stella mentioned with Hugo Strange in the mayor as the Batmobile is racing at 160 miles an hour towards the, to Wayne mm-hmm. Danner. Like, I really could go on, and I have gone on about this comic because I genuinely love it, and no one freaking talks about it. No one da- has. Anyone ever read the comic book?
1: I mean, it's never on a list. I mean, seriously, like, when you look at, uh, we've all seen a million lists and a million websites and a million books yeah. of the greatest Batman stories. I can't remember ever seeing Ego ever on a list So you, Donovan. I mean. No, never. I, I mean, I was actually a little shocked when that you were as high. I'm, I'm glad because I think you have a good taste in comics. It's all us, too. Thank you. But it's just that it's not one that people talk about. Like, you could talk to a, if you've got a Batman fan in line at a convention or in line at a movie theater or wherever, and you talk for 45 minutes about your experience reading Batman, your average, I don't think you're ever going to have ego brought up. I mean, besides the conference we've just had, have you ever talked about ego with anybody, Donovan? Except, like, you should read this because it's really freaking good?
0: The boy. I mean, my brother.
1: Right, yeah. <laughs> the boy. <laughs> boy. But no, it's just, it's not one that people bring up, and I think it's definitely up there. And I, and I wonder if the length has something to do with it, right? Because it's not like, it was a one-shot, so it's not big enough to be like a full-blown graphic novel without the additions of the other ego stuff, uh, the other cook stuff that's in there. I, mean, I wonder if that's got to do with it, that, it has a, that it's not really continuity-driven. It's it's kind of its own little special place, and I wonder if that's maybe some of the reasons people don't talk
0: about it. I think it's honestly because if, whenever you talk about biggest Batman stories, a lot of them kind of tend to come around the same five-year timeline, like Dark Knight Returns, Year One, Arkham Asylum. Nightfall. They're generally around like the same, like 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 within ten years of each other. And this was sort of like this was during No Man's Land, where Batman comics were a bit busy around that time. So it might have just kind of slipped under the radar. I mean, I've never heard anybody talk bad about this story, but like it's never mentioned, good or bad. It's, it's, no one, no one brings it up. But I don't care. I like I like liking this Batman story that no one talks about for a change.
1: I guess I got, I have a wrap up question if everyone wants to get their opinion on something real fast that I'm just really curious after reading this book. Let me find what penny. you do think. Go ahead do you think Batman is mentally ill?
2: Mentally ill or insane.
1: Yeah, I mean, do you think he's, which one, or do you think he is one of the two? I mean, which one do you think? I'm, I'm curious what you guys' thoughts were on that.
0: Uh, I have a response, but uh, ladies first.
2: So, just to clarify, because ment- when I think mentally ill, I guess I think more like he was born with a... a- yeah,
1: I, I don't mean he needs, like, Adderall.
0: I mean, you know. <laughs> he has a He has a condition that's oh, psychologically uh,
2: in yeah. I think so, yes. I think that this, Um, but he's able to deal with it well, obviously. I think that seeing somebody gunned down in front of you, and especially the two people that you probably rely on the most in the world as a young child is going to affect you in ways that no one can possibly understand Unless they are that person. And I think that um, the drive, I, I don't think he was insane until he started the entire quest and I think that like just something sort of cracked in in everything because I think someone I think you know I asked somebody uh, I was at somebody's house one day with dinner and I asked do you think everyone's a little bit crazy and she said yes some more than others which was an obvious uh, (laughs) it was an obvious attack at me Uh, (laughs) I know Um, and I think you know we all have a little bit of crazy in it and, and you know people who are really driven towards something Um, I think once you keep going and he like his desires are so split because he not only wants to be world's greatest detective, uh he he wants to be the best fighter, he wants to be really skilled at all these other sort of things that he's gotta learn. I think there's just so much going on in there that something sort of cracked, but he's so strong mentally, he's able to hold it together. Yes, I think there is a little bit of insanity there, but he's able to he's able to keep it there. And I think that other characters also, which is the reason why I think he needs a Robin, to be honest. Well, we talked about this, right? I think that, you know, people like Alfred and Robin, depending on which one it is, are really able to help him keep in check uh, a nature that could potentially be fractured.
0: I think that, like, like, like realistically speaking, like, like, you know, you can't watch your parents. At a, a, you can't be eight years old and watch your parents shot in front of your eyes and emerge from that perfectly fine. It 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 it, 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 all, it would always be crazy not to. I think that ultimately it doesn't really matter because if this kind of goes back in the people that heard uh, Grant Morris' interview on Batman on Batman. It doesn't really matter because he used whatever trauma he suffered to make positivity out of his life. You know, he uses all of his resources to help people. He uses all of his resources to gain knowledge. He uses all of his resources to become better. So. He probably might be, but it doesn't really matter. When you say, "Well, Batman's insane," so he's not like I mean that, that's 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 a that's a um that's a uh, uh what am I trying to say? Like um that's a negative thing to to ascribe to somebody. Like they're insane because, being mentally ill gives the impression that someone is precluded from doing anything, or they are they are kept from doing anything they were restricted or handicapped because of their mental incapability uh uh incap- incapacitation you know they don't have the faculties to maintain a normal life and bruce easily can if he just chooses not to i mean there's a famous quote where he says you know i know what i'm doing and every day i know that this could be the last day and i can stop whenever i want to but it won't be tomorrow and it won't be the next day either like he actively chooses to do this he's not like you know it's and i don't there are stories where he can stop or he won't stop. I, I like to think that he's sane enough to know that he doesn't have to do what he wants to, but he prefers to do this. He prefers to be Batman rather than a boring Bruce Wayne. So is he mentally ill? My answer is maybe, but ultimately it doesn't matter. And again, like you know, what does that say of somebody like Dick Grayson who honestly doesn't have to do what he does, but he chooses to be Nightwing or Barbara Gordon? Or, you know, Oliver Queen, or Ray Palmer, or all the other DC's comic superheroes who choose to use whatever special abilities they have to help people. You know, different than Superman or Wonder Woman. These normal people who put on these fun costumes and beat people up, you know, to save other people. I mean, are they mentally ill? Maybe. But, I mean, uh, at a certain point it is, you know, do you want a Batman story or not? But if you're seriously asking the question, then the answer is yes. But ultimately, it doesn't matter. It's the, it's the best kind of mentally, mentally ill sickness that, that one can hope for. So, sure, he is. But you know, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. In fact, it's, it's that, in this case, it's a rather good thing that he's mentally ill.
1: Uh, my only response is, and and, and, and I, I don't want to echo the thoughts that you guys had because I think you're both in line. But yeah, I think he's cartoon crazy. I he's, <laughs> yeah, I think he's nuts.
0: Here I am i've been waiting for you you did this
1: to me you're not well mr wayne you need professional help liar you know what's going on this is a dream and you're the one responsible what are you hiding for i do my best work in the dark i used to think that too but what have you ever accomplished from there Aside from scaring a few punks half to death and putting a few more in jail, it all adds up. Not fast enough. If you really want to make a difference, if you want to change the system instead of just patching it, you can't be subtle.
0: You've got to step into the sunlight. Take over. All right. <laughs> With that positive uh, declaration set, uh, do you guys care to great this? I mean, I don't really care. T- I mean, I can, but I mean, it's not required. If you're going to give this out of battle rings, what would you give it?
1: five i mean whatever the maximum mark is as good as it gets
2: um no i think i would agree you know i feel like part of me wants to give it less than a five uh but my only like i just have an issue a bit of an issue with the beginning of it um like i said and the robin thing but really compared to the whole story it's it's a five let's be honest people
1: my only actual gripe with the book is the fact that the cursive writing on the first couple pages is really tough to read And that's such a that's such a nitpick that it's almost not even fair. Bring you know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. if that's the biggest problem we had in comics was occasionally I couldn't read the font, life would be really, really good.
0: Yeah, that's actually like like a a criticism that I wholly, uh, I I totally um agree with you because it was lettered by Jonathan Babcock, not Darwin Crook, and it is it's kind of like that year one esque kind of nature that was that was in cursive lettering as well. So that's a bit, but I I actually like I love the intro with um. Uh, the henchman. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, five. I give it a ten. I give it 25. Five times five. I love this story. It's one of my favorites. How can I can't give Duff it a ten?
2: getting upset.
0: He can do what he wants with me. I've already said this.
2: <laughs>
1: <sighs> All
0: right.
2: Are you okay? <laughs> You're like, are you okay?
1: I think Donovan's finally, we finally broke him. <sighs> All right, so that was our review of Batman Ego. Um, I think that you got the got the gist from the whole crew here that it's a story, definitely uh, definitely worth reading. So if you read it digitally, go grab it there. If not, uh, grab the collected edition, or if you can find an old copy of the one shot in your local comic store, try to get your hands on that as well. Um, that is going to be it for this episode of TV Collected um please make sure you go by the website to check out the wide range of podcasts we have out there available besides the uh the specials there's of course the comic cast which Stella is on and and, and that Don turns is back on and left there's also Bat Girl to Oracle trail yes with uh Stella which is an excellent cast that Stella puts out every month and uh Don right now is working on a I'm sure on a new batch of commentaries for us on various batman forms uh out there all of which are excellent listens so go check it out also check out the website for the best in batman news and reviews from all kinds of contributors and go check out our facebook discussion page over on facebook to search for the batman universe um the next book we're going to review i've narrowed it down to three and i'm going to ask the other co host here which books they want um the ones I've narrowed it down to, if you guys have any preference, is either Grant Morrison's Arkham Asylum, which is one Ooh. of my personal favorites, Brian Azarella's Joker, Ooh. or ba- Batman Red Rain, if we wanted to step back a little farther in time to the Elseworlds.
0: <laughs> 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 have you read that? I think Ooh. so. <laughs>
2: Red Ra- I like, yeah, I like Elseworlds.
0: No, <laughs> I like, uh, those, those are, I mean, like, I, I mean... Personal preference for one or the other. Those are actually extremely interesting choices. So, mm-hmm. uh, that would be, be interesting.
1: There's, there's, I, I tried to look at those because there is a lot of debate, um, a lot of interesting topics on those three books. Um, I think we had to get Ego out of the way because both me and Donovan just want to come on and tell you how awesome it was. Um, but the other ones have some really interesting points on them. So as far as I'm concerned, we can just call it that that's the next three we can do and whatever order we do them and how, whenever we get to them. Um,
2: well, just all in one shot and – Whoa, I don't Make people overwhelmed.
0: Honestly, I mean, I, I have no preference because like, I think they're all interesting reads, and um, whatever you guys choose, I'll go with.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i going to pick Red Rain, but, yeah, I'm I'm up for reading all of them. Let's
1: do Red Rain first, then. Um, yeah, ladies Let's <laughs> yeah, Let's do let's – and the good thing about Red Rain is if we love it or hate it, there is two more installments of Red Rain because it was three original graphic novels published oh. in the Rain Raid series.
0: Yeah, I remember that, yeah.
1: Um, I think that, uh, those could be interesting to follow up on. So you heard here first, the next one we're going to do is Batman, Red, Green, and Elseworlds Tale. So with that out of the way, thanks everyone for joining us. This is Ed.
0: This is Donovan.
2: And this is the artist formerly known as, uh, Stella Grant, but now divorced and, uh, just Stella now.
1: Back to her maiden, non-existent maiden name. So thanks everyone for joining us. Have a great day.
0: All right, ready. ready to sign these papers? All
1: right. <laughs> Did you get any money from her in the settlement, Donovan?
0: She took every, She took my entire library, which she knows of videos and comics.
1: She she cleaned me out of comic books and, and movies. She was my
0: dog too. I know that.
2: Yep, you betcha. When the mortgage
0: clears All our fears will disappear Now you go to bed I'm staying here I've got another level that I want to clear i like double echoes on both of us and it was it was awful really? and I, I, I did the same thing with uh, one of my shows The Next Dimension with Jesse and I, I had to re-record <laughs> it was terrible what so what are you guys using now? uh mp3 Skype recorder mhm mhm where do you get that at? um science.com no you, you can just find it on go- <laughs> <cheap. laughs> thanks Donovan it's just uh, science.com that's not how I t-
1: Science.
2: You do talk like this. You just don't realize it. Why is he laughing?
1: It's just everyone sounds like they're using funny accents today. This is how we usually
2: you know. talk. True. I
0: mean, Fair enough.
2: <laughs> I'm just, you know, honing my inner
0: Donovan. Your inner Donovan. <laughs> everyone has a little Donovan in themselves, for good or ill.
2: Inside of every woman is a man.
0: Inside of every man is a boy. And the storytelling techniques of it. And, um, we'll start off with Stella.
2: Wait, what in the world? Oh. Okay. Uh, that was, I thought maybe I'd get some more time on it.
0: What does this say to you about Bruce Wayne? And, um, I'm not picky. Whoever wants to go first now. Stella, your turn. No. Uh. <laughs> you <know? laughs> She's well,
2: looking I mean, think she got an answer. <laughs> if you she got an answer ready.
0: And it's just, like... No that's that's out of character. That that doesn't make any sense. If well, you this is Nicole
2: but I'm gonna have some issues with this.
0: Oh my darling. Oh uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, but uh go ahead with what you were saying.
2: Okay. Me? Yes. Okay. I do have a couple let's see. Should I critique that first or yeah, I'll save that for it for <laughs> I'll save it for last.
0: Comment on, on your own points or your own thoughts on whatever I say because I want this to be a discussion and not just, you know, taking turns in class. Um,
2: yell at him and say, you're
0: wrong. Yeah, like you always do.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Are we back?
0: Yes. Yes.
2: That was terrible. I mean, Donovan was like about to bust a brain cell and then it just
0: How nice of you.
1: <laughs> but say, I
0: think Donovan broke Skype.
2: <laughs> he was going all out,
0: man. Well, it was Ed's fault for dropping. Damn him. I always need you to fail us. Ah,
1: uh, that's
0: I, good. Where, where, where did you lose me, Sal? were I in the middle
2: of yelling. I don't, I don't even know. I
0: was, was, something
1: about a, was something about a water gun and a volcano? I don't know.
2: <laughs> did you really say that?
1: <laughs> no. I don't know. <laughs> oh. So at least...
2: <laughs> I was like, I...
0: Does this reson- does this resonate with you? You being mainly a Batgirl fan, which is which yeah. is fine. But in terms, of like,
2: oh my gosh, that was the worst way to say it. that's fine. It was like you're an idiot, but it's okay that you like what you like. I'm
0: sorry, I didn't mean to mean like I that. I mean, no, that's
2: fine. This friendship's
0: over. Oh, <laughs> not again.
2: <laughs> and I think he's more. Um, it, it's it's more easily, wait, I am more evil, <laughs> he is more easy, he is easy, oh my god. Easy peasy
0: lemon squeezy? <laughs>
2: it's yeah. Oh man. No,
0: go ahead, this is good stuff. I like it.
2: Oh man. So what I think about it, let me just stop playing Angry Bird Star Wars. Um. am <laughs> <laughs> making <me> sweat. <laughs> Uh, but, I, I, are we giving grades, or are we waiting until the end on that one?
1: Uh, just
0: one minute.
2: <laughs> okay, okay.
1: Uh, Ed? What if I want to talk for more than a minute? She's going to have to wait more than a minute.
2: Bum, bum, bum. Huh? Uh-huh. He's used to making me wait.
1: What? Uh, you, two, you two love birds pipe down now. I got to <laughs> I not know I changed my name to
0: Zach. You know, it's actually interesting, because I had an answer ready for this, but I, I actually might... Have a have a different answer um, <sighs> based on Stella's discussion, which she, she <laughs> has. Oh, are you sorry? Because I'm going to go on for on and on and on. <laughs> Get back to your game, Stella. Um, <laughs> 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 I'm going to take it on. <laughs>
2: yes. I'm sorry. You go download
1: an app. Leave them alone.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Her
0: laughter <laughs> is starting to creep me out. Um. Okay. <laughs>
2: just do now know
0: I'm
1: crazy. So Donovan says if he he's the good kind of nuts. Yeah. Huh.
0: All right. Just like
1: Stella. Oh, the love between you two is so touching. Sometimes
0: she's so crazy. I will
2: keep together. I'm crazy because I'm in May.
1: You made me that way. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: tell you what. And, and, and do you have a response or should we wrap this up?
1: Five. I mean, whatever the maximum work is. As good as it gets.
2: I probably
0: would agree with that. Press pause, and then say it again.
2: Wait, what? I said,
0: what? What do you
1: mean? Oh,
2: because of my, Angry Birds Star Wars game.
1: <laughs> Seven-hour podcast. As we? Just, yeah. Uh, take a break hey, for, for me. Donovan is used to those.
0: Not for... <laughs> 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 like penguin. Well, yeah, to say, what was that? You know? <laughs> Just okay. had this
1: really funny photo with an umbrella, no apparent reason. So and one of those little
0: thingies, those cigarette Cig- cigarette holders. So and do you guys have any facts. any
1: preference on those?
0: If you had to pick one, I forget exactly when I got this. This is I guess this like maybe five or oh six. wait,
2: you weren't really sick.
0: No, that was a lot. That was that was me copying your. Oh, I
2: thought that at least. Oh, well, I had surgery. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my
0: God, I can't do it wrong. you <laughs> I
2: thought you were
1: really
0: sick. You made <laughs> the whole thing I up. I despise you. <laughs> I saw your story. I, I got it wrong, <laughs> though.
2: I got it when I realized you were bringing parts of the in there and you said snowboarding and whatchamacallit, but I thought you were really sick in bed and, like, I
0: got it from borders. <laughs> <laughs> person I know it.